Right. There is a light. There is freedom because of Jesus Christ. We're going to continue in our There is a Light series where we're exploring the Christmas story through the book of Luke. And we've said in this series that Christmas is God's idea, that Christmas was something initiated by God. It's from God. Christmas is about the God who created us and all that we see breaking into the universe that he created in the most impossible way. Sending his only son, Jesus Christ, born into this world of a virgin to die for our sins so that we could have life. And we said that in this series that Jesus coming into this world meant that we have received a king. And those who cease their rebellion against him receive the king's forgiveness. But not just that, they receive all of who the king is. Because the king is holy, we can be a holy people, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. Because he is divine, we can be a son or daughter of the most high God. Because he is a savior, we can receive salvation. And because he will live forever, we can have eternal life. It's an amazing thought of what our king brings. Last week, we found out that not only have we received a king, but we receive peace when we receive Jesus, a peace that passes all understanding, that we can have peace with God. And when we have peace with God, we can have peace with ourselves. And when we have peace with ourselves, we can have peace with others. And this week, we're going to find that we can receive freedom when we receive Jesus as Lord. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And if you need a Bible, would you just raise your hands? Our ushers will be glad to give you one. If you don't have a Bible of your own, that's yours to keep. Luke chapter 4, and I want to give you a little bit about what's happened. We're going to start in verse 16, but I want to give you a little bit about what's happened before the passage that we're going to read. Jesus has just been led into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, to be tempted by the enemy of our souls. And he's fasted for 40 days. He's been led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And in his, the weakness of his human flesh, the enemy comes to tempt him. And he begins to tempt him with stuff like, listen, I know you're hungry. I know you're hungry, so demand that these stones be turned into bread. I know you can do it. I know you're hungry. And Jesus, every time the enemy of our soul tempted him, he said, it is written. He went back to the word of God. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every time he tempted him, It is written. He went back to the word of God. And I want you to see something. Jesus was led into the spirit, uh, led into the wilderness by the spirit to be tempted. But in verse 14 of chapter four, it says Jesus returned in the power of the spirit. Y'all catch that? That means the spirit led him into that temptation to be tempted by the evil one, but the spirit sustained him. And when he left that temptation, he was walking in the power of the spirit. So the spirit might lead you into circumstances where you uh, might be a little bit beyond your control, but when you rely on the power of the spirit, you can walk out in the power of the spirit and the freedom of the spirit. That's a whole nother message. I I just want to preach right now, but that's not where we're going, right? So Luke chapter uh, four, verse 16, when you got it, say, I got it. It said, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, 
because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes of those in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now make no mistake, when Jesus did that, the people in the synagogue knew exactly what he was saying. He got a, he, he got a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah from a scroll, began to read about the, the foretelling the coming of the Messiah, rolls it back up, sits down, and says, what you just heard, done, been fulfilled. They knew exactly what he was saying. He was proclaiming that he was the Messiah. He is the long-awaited one, and they wanted to stone him for it. Today, we're going to talk about the mission of Jesus. We're going to look at the freedom that he brings because that is his mission. See, a person's life mission is their guiding force behind the direction of their life. A person's life mission is a guiding force behind the direction in their life. We should never just exist. Maybe you're in here this morning and you feel that way. I'm just existing. That's not what you were created to do. You were created for a purpose. We should never just exist. We should seek our purpose and marry it to our vision and mission. See, purpose is, why do I exist? And if you're asking that question, you need to find that answer. And I've got the answer for you, but it's kind of like cheating. You're going to have to wait until the end of the, the message to get the, the clues to put it together so you get the answer, right? But purpose is, why do I exist? Jesus knew why he existed. And then you marry that purpose to a vision and mission. Vision is just a picture of a preferred future. In other words, what will things look like for me if I live my purpose out 10 years, 15 years, 20 years from now? What will it look like if I live my purpose? That's a vision. It's a picture of a preferred future. And mission is how am I going to achieve this? How am I going to achieve this? What practically am I going to do to achieve my purpose and see my vision happen? And in this passage, we find the purpose, the vision, and the mission of Jesus. The purpose of Jesus was Jesus had come to seek and save the lost. That's what he all but said when he unfolded that scroll and he talked about what he would come to do and what he is doing. And he said as much in the Gospels in the New Testament that he had come to seek and save the lost. That is his purpose. His vision was that was, as he lives this purpose, his vision is that he was not willing that any should perish, but that all would be born again into a relationship with God. That's his vision. That if this purpose is lived out, that, that none would perish. All would be born again into a relationship with God. And his mission, how he was going to accomplish this, was to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, to recover sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So what does all this mean for us? We're going to dive through this passage and kind of find out. The first thing we see in the passage is that Jesus came to the temple on the Sabbath day. It's a day of rest. And he stood and read, and it says, as was his custom. Jesus was 
faithful to attend the synagogue. In other words, in today's, in today's language, Jesus went to church. Jesus went to church, which I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're at church. You don't need to be told that this. You, you told this. You see the importance of it. But in today's day and age, do you know that in America right now, the average believer, evangel- uh, evangelistic believer, attends church 27 weeks a year. That wasn't Jesus's model. Jesus went to church. It says, as was his Custom, his life purpose was wrapped in the glory of God, his kingdom, his church. It was wrapped around the greatest needs of his day, the poor, the brokenhearted, the bound, the blind, the bruised. Jesus was preaching the acceptable year of the Lord. In other words, that was a declaration by Jesus that a new day has dawned. That a new day is here. That he was doing a new thing. It's funny when he read from the scroll. From the prophet Isaiah. He read what we would know as Isaiah chapter 61. And he stopped short of finishing that, that passage. Which stated the day of vengeance of our God. And to comfort all who mourn. Let's, let's read it. Isaiah 61. Starting in verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. See, the acceptable year of the Lord, when Jesus said, I've come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It speaks of the coming of Jesus. It speaks of forgiveness and grace and mercy. It defines new life, which is what Jesus came to bring to us. The day of vengeance speaks of that when God will pour out his wrath upon the earth in and after the tribulation. Jesus came to proclaim freedom from condemnation. Jesus didn't come to condemn us. He he came to proclaim freedom from that. John 3.17 tells us the same thing. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Condemnation is something we choose. Are you with me, church? It's something that we choose. If Jesus wanted, if God wanted to condemn the world, he wouldn't have had to send Jesus. We were already condemned. He sent Jesus into the world to proclaim our freedom from condemnation. And so that's what Jesus is declaring as he unrolls the scroll. He said, I've I've come to heal the wounded, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. That's what I've come to do. Condemnation is something we choose. Salvation and freedom are offered by Jesus. That's the good news of Christmas. But we have to receive that gift. See, the opposite of freedom is difficulty. It's suppression. It's imprisonment. It's slavery. That's not what God came to give us. That's not what Jesus came to give us. That's something we choose. So the mission of Jesus was simple. And and what we can get from it is that if we are followers of Jesus Christ, if we are disciples, that's what disciple means, a follower of Jesus, then we should be about what Jesus was about, right? His purpose should be our purpose. 
His vision should be our vision. His mission should be our mission. So we're going to dive down deep into this passage and we're going to see exactly what he came to do and how he was going to do it. The mission of Jesus was simple. How he was going to accomplish his purpose of seeking and saving the lost and his vision of no one should perish, but everyone should come to everlasting life or relationship with Jesus was that he was going to preach the gospel to the poor. He was going to preach the gospel to the poor. Now we know from Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount that he's not talking about I'm poor, I got two shillings in my pocket, or I got two two dollars in modern day vernacular, I don't have no money, I'm broke. He's not talking about that kind of poor. He's talking about poor of spirit. People that don't know what they don't know. They don't have the hope of Jesus in their hearts, in their lives. And Jesus said, I've come to preach to them. I've come to preach the good news of freedom to the poor, to the people that don't know what they don't know. See, it's God's command for us, for you and me, to go into the highways and the byways and compel people to know Jesus. That means that as a church, we have to be focused on outreach. That means the things that we do to reach those that are far from Christ, whether it's something that the church puts on, like that that we're going to make an impact on the community and show them that we're here for them, or whether it's something like Hope Repair that we do every second uh, Saturday of the month where we go out and we fix homes to keep people safe, dry, and warm, or or whether it's... uh, volunteering or giving to the food bank that we have that's open every Wednesday here and every second Saturday. Uh, it's, it's outreach, and we need to be focused on those kind of things to show the love of Jesus to those that are far from him. That means we need to be focused on missions. We need to be focused on going and fulfilling the Great Commission. That means when we have mission teams here that we send out, we should support them. That means when we have missionaries who commit to go and do this full-time, we should support them. That means that we, me, you, we should get out of these seats and go to proclaim the gospel. In our neighborhoods, in our sphere of influence, the people that we're around, but also go to the ends of the earth to proclaim truth. We got to be focused on the missions. That, we, that means we got to be focused on evangelism. Uh, it's almost like a curse word, you know, when you say evangelism, people get all tense, you know, but I promise you it's not a four-letter word, all right? Evangelism is something we should be focused on. That means proclaiming the truth of the gospel to people who desperately need it, showing them hope that can be found in Jesus Christ. That means we need to be focused on numbers, Because numbers represent souls. Are souls in your goals? Are souls in your goals? When you lay out what I want to accomplish this week, this month, this year, this decade, are souls in your goals? If we're going to be a follower of Jesus, then they should be. Our goal should be to preach the gospel to the poor to the people who don't know what they don't know. Because that's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to heal the brokenhearted. Ministering to the hopeless, bringing life to the lifeless, is our job. It's our job. It's my job. 
It's your job because we're the church. You know that, right? Church is not this building. We're the church. We're the house. And so ministering hope to the hopeless life, to the lifeless, that's our job. Life can be harsh. Life can be earth shattering at times. And Jesus can put people back together again. He's the healer. He's the great physician. But do you know who he wants to take the bandages to those people? You and me. Do you know who he wants to put on the ointment? He's totally responsible for the healing. He's like the doctor. But he wants us to bring hope to the hopeless because that's what he did. He healed the brokenhearted. He came to preach deliverance to the captives. There's a lot of things that hold people captive in the day and age that we live in. Is there not? Things that have people bound up. Bondage to drugs, to alcohol, to promiscuity. You, you name it. You could keep going and going and going. Things that have people bound up. Jesus came to deliver the captives, to set the prisoners free. And that should be our job. We should be speaking about the life and the freedom that can come from knowing Jesus Christ. That all of these other things that you would seek to put your hope in, they're, they're false hope. But Jesus is hope. Jesus is life. Jesus is truth. And so we should be delivering the captives. Jesus came to recover the sight to the blind. Recover the sight to the blind. You say, well, pastor, I can't heal no blind person now. Well, this, this does speak of physical blindness. Jesus did heal people of physical blindness. But what about, what about the people who can't see a way out? What about the people that are so spiritually blind, they don't see a way out of their situation. They don't see a way out that seems positive. They don't see life. They don't find life. They don't feel life. They don't, they don't feel joy. What about those people? Jesus wants to recover the sight of the blind. He wants the scales to fall from their eyes. He wants them to come out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. And he's called you and I to proclaim that truth, to recover the sight of the blind. What about not seeing their need for a savior? Many times we don't know where to turn because we're blinded by our own personal circumstances. But Jesus can help us navigate the course of life. And we are to proclaim Jesus to the blind. To set at liberty those that are bruised. And I like that word, liberty. Liberty. Because innately, liberty means freedom. It means the kind of freedom that you shout from the rooftops like, I'm, I'm free. I'm free. There's no more weight on me. There's no more oppression. There's no more hardship. There's no more suffering. There's no more guilt. I'm free. And so we're called, just as Jesus proclaimed, we're called to proclaim that liberty to those that are beaten and bruised. Maybe that's you in here today. Maybe you feel beaten or shattered or, or torn. But I can say this from experience. Jesus can help you to overcome that pain. 
He can bind up the brokenhearted like nobody can. And so it's our job to proclaim that liberty to those that are bruised. Jesus came and he says, listen, when, when he said, I've come to proclaim the acceptable day of the Lord. He, he was letting them know, I'm here. It's a new day. It's a new dawn. The time is now. You don't have to wait another minute. Jesus can set you free right now. That's what Jesus was saying. He said, today, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing. I am here, the Messiah, the Savior, the light of the world, the healer to the brokenhearted, the one who sets the captives free. I'm here. And he knew that he would go to the cross, that he would die for our sins, and that before he died, he would say three powerful words that meant the world to us. It is finished. And when he said that, he meant it. He meant that everything that was necessary for us to find hope and peace and joy and salvation and, and purpose and mercy and feel the kindness of God had been secured on the cross by his blood. But he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay dead. On the third day, he rose again to life so that you and I could have life, so that your neighbors could taste life, so that your family members could taste life, so that this world could experience the truth of Christmas. This is what he came to do. This is what he came to do, and it's what he's called us to do. And man, there's something that happens when we realize we don't have what we need, but we come to him who's all that we need, so we find rest. I love what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. He said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You will find rest for your souls. You know, that, that's why, church, that's why I'm always on you guys to invest and invite. Invest in people, invest in relationships, love them with the love of Jesus, and then invite them to experience the truth of God's grace with you. And, and even now at Christmas time, they'll tell you statistics will say that people will come to church with you on Christmas through an invite more than any other time because there's something about Christmas that kind of just jogs them to say, where am I at spiritually? Maybe it's because they had an old grandmother that used to always keep them in church when they were young. Baby, you better go to church, right? And, and, and grandma's passed on. She went to be with Jesus and they're thinking about grandma and they're hearing that voice in their head and they say, well, where am I going to go to church? And then you, the church, come to them and invite them to worship with you. And they come and they experience Jesus and the fullness of his glory and they hear the story of his grace and mercy and forgiveness and something goes off inside of them and they give their life to Jesus and you get to watch somebody that you invited walk into eternity right in front of your eyes. It's a glorious, glorious feeling 
telling you, church, from experience. I, I remember a young man who I sat across from a table and, and I turned the Bible his direction and I walked him through the Romans road and, and I just told him to read it out loud and he read the Romans road, all those verses out. And I said, well, what does that mean to you? And then he would explain to me what it means. And then we got to the end and I said, what do you think you should do? And he said, I need Jesus. And he started praying. I didn't lead him in a prayer of salvation. He led his own prayer of salvation. And I watched as I was an innocent bystander to salvation happening in front of me. And I made him say the word of God out loud because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as he said the word of God, it, it, the Holy Spirit took it and gave it life. And it meant meaning to him. And he gave his life to Jesus. And you watched him walk into eternity right in front of your eyes. That's what can be yours. That's, that's the joy of of being his disciple and bringing people closer to Jesus. That's the joy of that. I was preaching this in the first service and a man came up to me afterwards and said, Pastor, you are so right, so right. He said, I, I went to uh, Ye Old Fashion on Thursday and just getting some ice cream with the family and, and the lady said, Merry Christmas. And, and, I, and I don't know why I said it, um, but it just came out. And, and I said, um, do, do you know the real meaning of Christmas? And she looked at me and said, no. And so I shared it with her. And I could watch as her face just beamed with curiosity that there's something. You mean there's something besides Santa Claus? Something besides Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? See, we think that people don't know. Surely you're in America. Surely, you're in the Bible Belt. You're in Monk's Corner, South Carolina. How can you not have heard of Jesus? But they haven't. And you know what Romans tells us? How can they hear unless someone is preaching to them? How can they believe unless somebody is willing to do what Jesus came to do, to live his purpose to seek and save that which was lost. To see his vision become a reality that none should perish, but all come to everlasting life. And to walk out his mission of preaching to the poor, binding up the brokenhearted, setting the captives free, and declaring that today is the day. The light has arrived. He has brought us peace, forgiveness, grace, new life, and freedom. The light of mankind, Jesus Christ, is ready to bring you and I freedom and new life. But will you receive that this Christmas? Will your neighbors receive that? Will your co-workers receive that? This week, we should be busy, church. Busy, busy, busy. Inviting people into life. Not so that we can just fill this place so I can feel good about myself. Listen, I feel good every time I get the opportunity to preach God's word. It's not about me. I don't care if you lead them to Christ in your living room. But today we should be busy. Today we should be busy because Jesus said, I have come to proclaim the acceptable day of the Lord. It's here. I'm here. The light has come.